Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Um, I want to give you my semi-monthly reminder that in the early service, there's a little more room. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I know some of you are like, hey, 30, oh my goodness, I can never do that. But you can come in late and there's still plenty of seats. And so just saying, you can even find one like more towards the back for, you know, that may not matter to you. But anyway, um, we did have our disciple now this weekend. We had uh, over 100 kids involved in that. And John will tell you a little bit more about that at the, uh, during the announcement time. But, you know, what a, they all came to that early service today and um, filled up this whole section. And one of the things that I told them, I said, look, you know, you're not the future of the church. For those of us who are in Christ, you are the church. And I'm really praying, and I hope you will too, that, um, that during this time of what I believe is a, um, an awakening and a revival that's going around across our country, that God will call numerous uh, young people to serve him through in churches and in, in uh, mission fields and, and all across the world. And the, the, the people that in so many ways have had the, the greatest impact on my life spiritually came out of that last movement like that that happened back in 1970 to 73. And I, I, I've been inspired by their faith, and they would always talk about that time as, as really a, 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 a spiritual anchor for them that changed their life and and through that time, God's changed a lot of others. And we need, I'm, I'll tell you right now, it's hard to find um, pastors and staff members, youth ministers, try, hard to find them all right now because there aren't nearly the number of people that are, that, that are going into the ministry that are, that, are, that are serving in that way. And so we want to we wanna pray for that generation. And, you know, the, the second thing, if you've watched the news or if you're keeping up with any of that, I, I do believe there is a, a movement of God that's going on. I think we've seen uh, the beginnings of it here, and, and I'm excited about that. But one of the things that I always, I always come back to is, you know, if you want to know where to start about the, the beginnings of revival, um, I, it was mainly Beasley used to say, and I'm sure somebody said it before him, that you go down and you get a piece of chalk and you draw a circle around yourself, and you say revival needs to begin right here inside this circle. And it needs to begin in our hearts. And it's easy to say, hey, man, y- y'all people need to be revived. But we need to be praying that God would put a fresh touch on our heart, that we would be surrendered to him, that, that if we need to repent of sins or move away um, from certain things in our life, that God would, would call us to do that and that he'd show us. And so what I want to do is I just want to begin um, with a moment of prayer. And I want to encourage each of you um, to pray. And as a matter of fact, as the weeks go by and, and this week or whenever, we would encourage you to, to just pray around our building and pray over different areas in our church. And we even have some prayer guides out at the, um, the, the Welcome Center that you can take home or that you can pray over right here. And um, we'd encourage you to participate in praying for revival in our church, in our county, and in our country, because prayer is always a part of revival and awakening. And the, the reason I use those two words, revival is what happens to God's people when they, when they repent and turn again to him and, and give all of themselves to the Lord. 
Awakening is when lost people come to know Christ. And so I think both of those are happening. We've seen both of those in our church, but we need to be praying about that and asking God uh, to send revival and that his spirit would move and have freedom to move. And so I want to encourage you, what I'm going to do is, in a moment, I'm going to have everyone bow your heads, and if, you, if you'd like to, where you are, you can kneel where you're at, you can come to the altar, you can do whatever you want to do, or you can just pray sitting, it, that's fine. But I want to encourage you to, to just pray, number one, that God would bring revival to your heart, and then whatever area might, might hit your heart this morning, that you'd pray for our church, that you'd pray for our, our young people, that you'd pray for our country, whatever you'd like to do. And so right now I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads for a few moments, and I'm going to ask you to just pray right where you are. And you can pray out loud if you want. You can pray silently. God won't be confused by that at all. But pray right now, and then I'll close this in a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the movements of your spirit that we've seen here and that we see around our country and hopefully around the world. And Father, we pray that, number one, that you would draw all men into yourself. Father, we, we join with other churches and other believers as we lift up the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that you would awaken those, uh, Father, who do not know and have a relationship with Christ. Father, we pray that you would use us in any way to do that. And Lord, we know that our country needs a revival and that people need Jesus. And Father, we pray for both of those. And Lord, I pray in my own life that God, you would uh, search my heart, Lord, and show me anything in my heart and life that is not pleasing to you. And Father, I pray for those that have made that same prayer today, that Lord, you would answer that clearly, that you would show us. And Father, we want to be a church and a people and, and individuals, Father, that can be a part of what you're doing. And God, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us. Father, I pray for our young people. Lord, I pray for our young people. I pray for, for all of us that, God, you'd call some of us out to be missionaries, whether that's in our country or in a foreign nation. Father, I pray that you'd call out those to, to lead in churches, to lead in Bible studies, Father, to lead in their workplace, that, Lord, you would give our young people an unshakable faith through an experience with you that will last for a lifetime. And, Father, we see too many young people growing up in the church and then drifting away, some never to return. Father, I pray that our young people, Lord, would be staunch in their faith, that, God, you would draw them unto yourself, that, Lord, you would move in their hearts and in their lives in a way that will change them forever, a way that cannot be unchanged. And Father, help us to model that as adults and as leaders. And Lord, we just invite you to come and move and do as you choose among us and in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in the precious, the holy, and the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. You know, I really debated all week about what to preach on. And I came back to, you know, God's done what he's done without me preaching a special series. And so for the time, I'm going to just continue preaching what I was planning on preaching. And today, I'm going to preach this, this really does have some bearing with revival and what God's doing, but I'm going to preach for a little bit on the structure of the church and on preparation for God's future blessings in our church and in our personal lives. And the, the first thing I want you to know is that whatever it is that comes, we want to have the kind of church organization that can respond and see what God's doing and go and be involved and a part of that. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. And I'm going to read there in verses 19 through 20. And we're going to look at and see what Jesus says. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word, John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when you, if you talk about it and you look at it, you might think, well, you know, church structure, and I'm really just going to look at one area of it today. I mean, that, wow, that sounds boring, but it's really not to me. It's really fascinating. We really want to see how God does things. And I want to tell you up front that there's not like a biblical structure in a church, okay? There's not a, hey, you have this position, you do that. A worship pastor is not mentioned in the, in the scripture. Um, youth pastors are not in the Bible. But there's freedom in the church through the ages and in individual situations to structure in a way that best enables them to minister to the people that are there and to reach those around them for Christ. And within that freedom of structure, there are biblical guidelines about certain offices and certain things that go on in the church. And so today we're going to talk about elders. And that word elder, it's, it's translated as different things in different translations. In the, in the uh, NLT, which we're going to read in a moment, it translates as church leader. But it means also bishop, overseer, pastor, elder. Those words are interchangeable. And sometimes they're interpreted or translated this way, sometimes the other, but it all is talking about that same type of position. So that's what we're going to focus on today is the function of elders, who those elders are in our church, and what that means for us going forward. And part of that, you know, one of the things we've struggled with through the years is how do we want to define our church structure? We kind of had a way that we were doing things. But we didn't know exactly how to define it. And we looked at it for years, and we wrote up a document, and then we prayed about that, and we realized that really wasn't what we wanted to do, so we scrapped that. We started again. We came up with another one, and then we scrapped that, and then we came up, started with another one, and finally we just went, I don't know. And they said, well, Brian, what, what do you feel like? And I'm like, I don't know that I have a clear picture right now of how to define it. Well, a few weeks ago, this was back in uh, 22, uh, in the fall, I really felt like as I was praying and seeking God, that God gave me a clear structure for that part of our church. And 
I believe that's in preparation for what's to come because I believe it's going to enable us to move forward and to, to grow our tent and to be able to, to minister to more people. And like it says in Isaiah 54, 2 through 3, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And so while we're, we do, we are looking at opportunities to build or to grow so that we can take more people, we really need that structure in place first. And so we want to prepare for God's increase. And we want to be ready when God comes and blesses us as he, as he has with numerical growth to be able to handle that. <clears throat> and one of the ways is, in, is to kind of enlarge part of the leadership structure of our church. So in our church, I would be considered an elder, an overseer, pastor, and then we have 10 others that are elders, okay? And five of those are pastor elders, they serve on our church staff, and five of those are lay elders, and they serve to lead in different areas of the church, but they're not necessarily called to be vocational ministers, they're not called to be pastors, they're not called to preach, but they do teach, and preaching and teaching is part of that. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, now these are the gifts Christ gave the, to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we share a common purpose whether you are a pastor elder or an, an elder, which would be a lay elder, and that purpose is to build up the church, is to equip God's people to do his work. And there are different ways that we function and do that. Now, here's the thing about elder. There are some very specific qualifications given to us in Scripture to qualify to be an elder. Um, in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, this is a trustworthy sayer, saying, if someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader, also interpreted as pastor, elder, bishop, uh, must be a man whose life is above reproach. Now, I want to talk about two things right there. Number one, it does say man. It's masculine is used all through the scripture. And that does not mean that women cannot lead in our church. We have literally hundreds of opportunities for women to serve and to lead. But when it comes to pastor, elder, and elder, those positions are set aside in scripture for men. And the one thing I would tell you about that is I don't, I mean, I, I know maybe a couple of reasons why that's true, but I don't know 100%, but that's the way God set it out. And here's part of the deal. If you're going to throw out God's use of gender in this scripture, then you got to throw it out in other ones too. And I believe that God has very specific purposes for gender. It does not mean that men are better. It's simply a positional um, situation. God wants men in this role. There are lots of roles where women lead. Some of our best leaders, some of the best leaders in our church are women. No question. And some, we have women that serve on staff. We have women that lead ministries. We have women that teach Bible studies to other women. And that's one of the things that we do. If we have a Bible study and it's for one gender, if it's for women, a woman leads it. If it's for men, men lead it. And that's what we believe is the best and the proper way to go forward and lead in those areas. And so it's, it's to be a man. Hey, I'm not, we're going to follow things just like the word says, whether we understand them, 
whether we agree with them 100%, whether they're convenient or inconvenient, we're going to go by the word. And that's one of the things the word says. And you're talking about those, those 10 people out of the entire scripture. Now, I want to say a couple of things about elders up front. Being an elder, we, like you can be a, a staff member and even lead a ministry and not necessarily be qualified to be an elder. And you can be qualified to be an elder and not be on staff. And the second part of that is, even though the, the, the pastor elders have specific uh, roles within our staff, that doesn't mean that that role can only be filled by an elder, okay? What that means is that we didn't look at, oh, well, this, this, you know, this position here, that person's going to be an elder. We looked, at, we looked at who are the men in our church? Who are the men who are on our staff? And which ones are qualified to be elders? And the position that they led was really secondary to that. So in other words, just because there's an elder that's in that position now, like let's say youth pastor, and we have, and he is one of our pastoral elders, John Hartman. I'll go ahead and, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But that doesn't mean that the next person that has that role as a youth pastor, that they have to be an elder, okay? They don't. They have other qualifications that we're going to look forward for them to lead a ministry, but they don't necessarily have to qualify to be an elder. And that first, the second part, so that's the, the male part, the second part is to be blameless. And that doesn't mean they're without sin because then all of our positions would be open, including mine, all right? You, you, all of us sin, okay? And that's not a question. But to be blameless, it, word, it literally means that there's nothing to hold upon, to take hold of. That is, there's nothing in his life that Satan or the unsaved can take hold of to criticize or attack the church. Nobody is sinless, but we must strive to be blameless and above reproach. And sometimes that means, hey, I blew it. I'm sorry, forgive me, and move forward. And as long as it's not one of those things that disqualifies you from being an elder, then we're able to move on. And sometimes that's one of the most important things we can do is to admit when we're wrong, own it, and then move forward. So it doesn't mean that those people are sinless. The second thing, and it it interprets it in the NLT, um, that this person must be faithful to their wife, but the, the translation is literally best, the husband of one wife. And so in that position is someone who's not been divorced, Um, A widower would not necessarily be um, restricted because there's no restrictions on them at all in Scripture about remarrying or anything else. And I'm not 100% sure why that's important, but that's what God lays down. And I'm telling you, there there are other qualifications to be an elder that are probably even harder than that one, okay? And I'm going to get to that in a moment. And one of those things, and, and it talks about um, they must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. They must enjoy guests in their home. Now, that doesn't mean that they're always having people over spend the night, but that, that was how people showed hospitality to strangers, to people they didn't know. And so whoever's in those roles must have an eye towards new people, towards people that are outside the church, towards strangers, and be hospitable. And that may mean taking them into their home. It may mean having them over for dinner or whatever, but it, it, it's that kind of heart that sees those who are strangers or new to the land or new to the church or not part of the church and has a heart for those kind of folks. Um, 
They must enjoy, they must be able to teach. All of our elders are teaching in some form or fashion, whether lay elders or whether they are pastor elders. They're teaching in small groups, they're leading this, they're doing that, they all teach. Now there are a few that preach, and we'll get to that in a minute too, um, that are pastor elders. And all those that are pastor elders can preach. Okay, they must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Now that doesn't mean their kids are going to be perfect. They're not. And it doesn't mean that when their kids go out and make their own decisions, that they're not going to make decisions that the parents don't agree with. But while they're in their home, are they being a godly parent? Are they, are they disciplining their child? Are they teaching them in the things of the Lord? Now understand, my kids are going to make mistakes. You know, there was, a, for some reason, several, I guess about 15 years ago, <laughs> nearly all of us that were on staff at the time ended up having a baby like at the same time. So we have a bunch of 15-year-olds, 15, 16-year-olds, 15, that are staff kids. And Braxton is one, and um, Keegan, which is Scott Jackson and, and Tina Jackson's son. And they, on occasion, <laughs> one time when they were, I think they were about two, or it was probably between one and two, we walked outside and we didn't have all this building over here, and they were both over on the sidewalk relieving themselves. Okay, and that didn't mean that we all got fired. It meant that our kids are kids and they're going to do things and their mom's completely freaked out on them in that moment and they were disciplined and have never done that again as far as I know. So that's good. <laughs> um, but what that means, it doesn't mean we're going to raise perfect kids, but it does mean that we're going to do our best and that we're, attempt, that, we're, that we're raising them up in the things of God and in the ways of God. And I'm glad that Keegan and Braxton aren't in here in that service. They're probably going to kill me later. <laughs> so you got to manage your family well. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Now, one of the things that we look for, you know, we have certain things. If, if somebody comes to our church and they want to lead a small group Bible study, you know, we expect them to be here for a period of time. And the rule of thumb, there are exceptions to that. You know, somebody comes maybe that has been in the ministry for a number of years and they come here and we would make an exception. But most of the time, we expect people to be here for about a year before we would be comfortable turning them over to lead a small group Bible study. Now, you come here and um, you want to serve. We got jobs for you your first week if you want one. So there's lots of those too. But now to be an elder, here's, here's what I look for. I'm looking for about a decade of following God, of being faithful, of serving and working. I want a, at least a decade. Some of the men that are on here, I've gotten way more than that. Some of them, it's around 10 years. But I want to know that I'm betting on, that this is a sure thing. And so you don't give, you don't call somebody to be an elder that's been here for a year. You call people that, that you have a track record to look at. They're not a new believer. And not only that, but they've established themselves as leaders that can be trusted over a period of time. Okay, now we tend to look at things, well, they got to be this, you know, they can't be under this age. I don't think age necessarily is as big a deal as having a long track record of being able to see that they're faithful in the things of God. 
So those are some of the things that we look at. I'm going to tell you who those folks are now. Our pastor elders are John Hartman. We've restructured where he's over next, next gen ministries. Everything from birth up through high school, college is now under his authority. He's the one that's leading that area. Brandon Baldwin is worship and media. And we've, we've placed all those things, the, the online service, the uh, sound stuff's always been his, the things that we put out to, for advertisements or on social media, that's all under him. He is our, our leader. He leads us into worship every Sunday. And he leads our and pastors our worship team that you see up here. And by the way, they did an awesome job today, didn't they? That was really good. So that's his role. Um, Sonny Grissom. One who, if you like your elders to be elder, he's the man, all right? He's the man. The rest of us are all much younger, but Sonny definitely fits in that role. And I'm just kidding. But Sonny brings, has brought a lot of wisdom to our church. Um, he's over all, everything to do with our building, our properties, and also all finance, financial things. And he also teaches. He's been teaching a class on, on Wednesday nights. He teaches in different areas when he's needed and can preach and has preached. Um, all these guys I would put up here in the pulpit to preach. Now, that may not be their, their, their main calling, but they can all do that. Um, Austin Cooper is also one of our elders. And Austin has the – one of the things that's amazing about Austin is we saw him as a very young man um, being used of God even in, in middle school and high school. I mean, he was committed to his walk with the Lord, was faithful. And when he got to college, God used him to minister. And we called him on staff as soon as he graduated from college because he had this, this heart to lead churches in outreach, to reach out to people who'd not been ministered to that were out in our communities. And he's led our church and uh, nearly ever since. He went and planted a church in Vancouver for a period of time. And then he came back here and he's been doing that again. And he's over... Um, outreach missions, and then also assimilation. Everything that happens when somebody gets here from the shopping, from the golf cart people to the greeters, um, to people that want to join the church, be baptized, he handles all that in between and does a, an outstanding job. And I also believe um, that Austin has the, the, the gift of preaching, and he does a great job with that. And the, Justin Allison is our next one. I think he also has the gift of, uh, of teacher-pastor. And um, he, he preaches for me. Those two guys are the two main ones that I use when I'm going to be, be out or gone. Um, and, and they do a great job. And not only that, I, they, have to, they have to keep something. In, I've told them, hey, keep something in the hopper because it happens very rarely, but I have called them on Saturday night. Dude, I'm not. You're going to have to preach tomorrow. And unfortunately, because I keep thinking, I'll be okay, I'll be able to make it, I'll wait until the last minute. And so they have to, you know, now I'll try to tell them as soon as I can, but they got to be ready in a, in a day's notice to preach, and they do a great job of that. And those are the guys that are, that are our pastor elders, okay? And uh, like I said, that doesn't mean that all those positions, that they can only have an elder in those positions. It just means that the men who are in there now, to me, you, you look across and you say, okay, who are our elders? Who are the ones that are qualified that meet these, these different areas? And then wherever they're at, that's, that's just where they are. And so it's not that those positions makes them an elder. 
It's that their personal lives and what God's called them to do and what they've shown and demonstrated is what lends them to be an elder. Um, our lay elders are Scott Jackson. <clears throat> and Scott, um, you know, is one that I, I went to his house. It was 18 or 19 years ago and sat down in his living room and led he and his wife to Christ. And now she's our preschool minister. And now he is, and he's been leading our men's ministry and in other areas. And he is now um, a lay elder for our church. Gary Cooper is one of the smartest men I've ever been around. He's also one of the wisest. He has a lot of wisdom. He's been here. He leads a small group. I know some of you are involved in a small group. And a great teacher, um, very high character, has been faithful in serving the Lord and been faithful in this church through some of the most difficult times that we've had through the years. Tyler Yelverton is, is also one of those that is um, uh, one of our lay elders. And Tyler has proven over time his faithfulness, his walk with the Lord. He teaches our young people. Um, he teaches uh, uh, freshmen in, in high school, freshman boys. And he does a great job with them. And he's a, he's a guy qualified to teach. Um, Cody Norris is one that um, we've just called on there. Uh, Jay Flanagan was, was one of our uh, elders before uh, he passed away a few weeks ago. And now Cody, Cody Norris, uh, God has led us to him. And he's agreed to do that. So we're excited. Cody is a, is a mainstay in our men's ministry. Been here for a number of years and has been faithful and um, has lived that kind of life. And so we're excited about him. And then Gary Yeary, um, you've, they help usher a lot during this, during this service. They come to the early service, and they, they both have been, been here since I got here. Um, Gary Cooper's the other one that was here when I got here. And uh, they've shown over multiple decades now of their faithfulness. And um, they also teach, and God uses them. So those are men that, that are going to help us to expand our ability to minister to people. And one of the ways the lay elders are going to do that is, in a few months, we're going to, we're going to start looking at um, identifying and calling men to be deacons. And that's the other pastoral office in the church. And their main responsibility is going to be family ministry and minister to widows. And so that, those will, the, the lay elders will oversee that selection process and also oversee that work that will be done in those areas. And that, we believe, will help us to, to better minister to families, to keep track of people, to know about needs, and to be able to meet those as we go forward. So we're excited about the work they're going to be doing. And you'll hear more about deacons as we get to that time. Um, I want to tell you about a couple things that we're doing. Also, you know, we've, we have put more chairs in here. Matter of fact, we have crammed so many chairs in here that I don't think we can cram any more. Um, if we could, we would. If we could figure out a way to stick more chairs in here, we would. But we've increased this about as much as we can. So we are, and when we did this other building um, add-on in the addition, we had them look at and start the plans for a new sanctuary, and we're asking them to kind of finalize those and put those in our hands. We don't have a date as far as when we want to do it um, or when we need to do it. You know, there's kind of a fine line between doing it too soon and doing it too late. 
And we don't want to do it too soon or too late, but we want to be ready to do it so that when that time comes, and it's more driven by our growth and how God's blessing us than it is by years. Like, I don't have a year when we're doing it, but we're, being, we're, we're getting prepared in that. So when the time's ready, we can move forward with it. Second thing, we're, in, we're increasing our parking across the street. Um, you may have noticed there's some equipment over there. They're going to be working on that to add some additional spaces. And, um, and then we're also looking to blacktop the rest of this in the back. Um, we kind of hand drew some of the spaces and some of them might be a little bit bigger than they need to be just saying. And so we're, we're, we're hoping that we can get some more spaces out of that. You know, the biggest kind of, uh, difficulty for us is in between first and second and second and third services, obviously, because that's when you have people from both those services here at the same time. And so we want to make sure that we have parking not just for all of you, but for people that are new to be able to quickly find a spot. And then, you know, if we have to buy more golf carts, we'll buy them. I mean, whatever we got to do to make it easy for people to get into the building, to, to be able to worship, to hear the word of God in small groups and in here, we will do. And so we're, we're preparing in that way. And here's the, here's the lesson that I want us to see for not only for our church, but also for our personal lives. And that is in 2 Kings Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. In other words, because she couldn't pay the money that she owed, that her, that her husband owed along with her beforehand, they could take both of her sons to work off her debt as, as slaves over a period of time. And he says, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she says, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Now, a flask is a very small container. Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So what, how does that apply to us? Well, there's a couple things. I believe God's showing us what he wants to do with our church. And so we want to be prepared by having space, by doing what we can to accommodate those that are coming. You know, a church is the only organization in the world that is, that is built and designed for people that aren't here yet. That's what we do. And they should always be in our mind, the people that aren't here yet. Now, we take care of the people that are here, too. We want to encourage them to, to grow, to, to walk with the Lord, to love each other. But it's always got to be in our mind, the people that aren't here yet. And so you want to make sure that you're prepared for that. So what does that mean in your personal life? What that means is, first of all, he told her, hey, get ready for it. Get ready for what's coming. And I really believe that one of the big things that's going on in, the, in our nation, over the world, there, there's reports of revivals breaking out all over the world. This is God moving in a supernatural way that can only be explained by him. And for us, one of the things that is, it's an invitation to get ready for what's to come. And one of the ways we can do that is 
where are the open spaces in my life that God could do what God wants to do? You know, Satan doesn't have to lead you into sin to make you ineffective for the kingdom of God. You know what? All he's got to do is make you so busy that you don't have time. All he's got to do to keep you from being able to give to somebody else is to make you spend everything you make and then some so that you're always just a little bit behind. And when you have an opportunity to give or bless somebody else, you don't have the resources to do it because you've taken up everything that you've got. It's all full. And sometimes the problem is that the things that we get busy caught up doing, we don't even ask God for. We just go, well, that's a good thing. I'll do that. That's a good thing. My kid can do that. And then before you know it, there's no room for anything else. And maybe God's just calling us to look at our lives and think, you know what? What do I need to get rid of so that I could be ready when God brings that to me, when he calls me to it? Now, we talked last week about getting rid of, getting rid of the things that inhibit God being able to use us in our personal lives, our sin, the areas where we're not following God 100%, you know, those, those type areas so that God could bless us. But now I'm talking about making room for what God may want to do in your life. And sometimes we get caught up, sometimes good is the enemy of great. And we're like, well, this is a good thing. I, I don't want to give it up. Well, if you ask God, you know, one of the things, the, the, the prayers that the Bible says God will always answer is when we pray for wisdom. But we got to be willing to commit to God's wisdom before he gives it. And we got to believe he's going to give it to us. Some of us, we just need to sit down and say, God, what do I need to get rid of? You know, if somebody came over to you and said, hey, man, I got, a, I got this million-dollar car that I want to give you. But here's the thing. It's got to be parked in your garage. Some of us, we'd have to be running home, chucking stuff out in the trash pile to get ready for it. And you know what? We'd be 100% on board with it if we knew that's what was coming. But now when somebody, yeah, I know I need to clean that out, but man, I don't know when I might need that. I kind of like that thing. I don't really want to get rid of it. But if you knew somebody was coming over with something that, was that, that had that kind of value, you would chuck everything in your garage out for it, wouldn't you? I would. I'd back the truck up and just throw stuff out. Kids would be crying. Wife would be, what are you doing? I'd say, y'all don't know what's coming. But I'd be throwing it out. You know what? We need to look at our lives as though God's going to come and, and get right in the middle of our life. And do we have room for what God wants to do? Do you have room in your life that if God called you, hey, there's a, there's a mission trip you could take, but it might take a couple of weeks. I understand work schedules. I get that. Or we just go, oh, no, nah, man, I can't do that. We got this. We got that. You know, is, how much are you going to Oh, no, we ain't got. We can't do that. We need to look at our finances. We need to look at our lives and ask ourselves, have we left God enough room to work there? What if God had something he wanted you to do that would change your life and change a bunch of other people's lives too?
would you be willing to, would you be able to say, I can do that? And maybe we need to clear out some of the things that we got in our life that are just taking up space, that are just keeping us busy, because they might keep us from something great. Now, I can't tell you what those things are. Pray and ask God. But here's what I do know. When they didn't have any more room, immediately, the olive oil stopped flowing. And so we want to make sure we got enough room so the Spirit of God can do whatever He wants in our lives and through us. That's part of being ready for revival too. So let's be ready. Now, for some of you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it starts there. And so we want to give you the opportunity to know Jesus. And here's the deal. The Bible is just really, really clear. You know, we sang in that song about that his own son not sparing, that God sent his son to die the death that should have been mine and should have been yours, and that we have to grab onto that with faith. Nobody else can put it in our hands. We can't do enough to be good enough for God. None of us can. Jesus was good enough for us. And the only way to be right with God, to be forgiven of our sins and to know that we're going to be with him for eternity is through a relationship with him. And so I'm not asking you how much you know. I'm not asking you how good you are compared to other people. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? And if you don't, we'd love to introduce him to you today or introduce you to him. And it's a simple thing. There's three simple parts of it. Number one, you've got to admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The second thing is we've got to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins, for my sins, and he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And so then the last thing is we've got to, it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you can't come to Jesus saying, hey, I want to be saved and forgiven, but I'm going to, do, I'm going to just do stuff my own way. That's not how it works. You've got to confess him as Lord. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect at it because we're going to continue to make mistakes. But you've got to be willing to come and say, God, I'm going to, I want to do things your way. You're the Lord of my life now. If you're ready to do that and you want to know that you have forgiveness for your sins, you have peace with God, and that that's going to be eternity, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of salvation. They're not magic words. But if you believe them and you mean them sincerely, you can be forgiven and be right with God and have peace with Him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer of, sal of salvation. You can repeat it after me. Or you can pray in your own words. But if you want to know those things, that your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God, I want you to pray with me now. I'm going to ask everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. You can pray it in your heart. God will hear you. You don't have to pray it out loud. But pray it with me right now. 
Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. I turn from my sins and turn to you. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to say anything in front of anybody, but what I'd, I'd like to pray for you. And so I'm gonna ask you, if you prayed that prayer day and you meant it, I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you, okay? All right. Okay, all right, I see you. Okay. Thank you. All right, I wanna pray for you. I also wanna encourage you to tell someone, if you came with your parents, I'd encourage you to tell your parents. If you're an adult and you came, whether it's with somebody or by yourself, I'd encourage you to let one of us know. And there's a number on your screen, you can just text SAVE to that number, or you can open that, a, a, a really short form with that code that's on the screen, it's also in your bulletin. So take it home with you, you can do it whenever. But we would love to sit down with you and answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We just want to help. And we want you to find the church that's right for you. You're welcome to come here. But if you choose to find somewhere else, we're, we're okay with that. We just want to help you. And we'll do that any way we can. But it's important that you tell someone about your decision. So I want to pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your son, and we thank you, Father, for those that have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ today. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. But most of all, thank you that you sent your son so that we could all be a part of your family, adopted as sons and daughters. And Father, I pray for those that made that decision today that you would guide them to the right place where they can grow in their faith, the right church. I pray that you'd send believers in their life to encourage them. And Father, as they read your Bible, I pray, God, that you'd speak to them clearly. And Father, thank you for those that made a decision today to trust you. We ask for blessings on their life and protection. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.